Well, good evening. I think I'm on, right, Eric? Everybody had a good Christmas. It's always good for me when I go Christmas morning and there's no coal in my stocking. So it was, it was a good day today. So uh, I have uh, one, one major goal today, and that is to not make Mark a liar. Because at first he said we're, this was going to be less than an hour. So that's my goal is to keep this kind of short. I was given some, some advice a long, long time ago. You know, when you get up to speak, try to make it brief but powerful. But if you have to choose one, make it brief. <laughs> so that's the goal today. So um, I really feel privileged, really, today. Uh, Tim, Tim asked me to, uh, to do this little message on Christmas, and uh, I mean, it's, to speak on Christmas is one thing, but see, I don't know if you realize this, but one time in seven years, we get to recognize two of the most iconic images in all of human history on the same day. The first, obviously, is a cross, right? We do that kind of every, every week. But uh, this year, see if I can get this to work. You guys see that? Because I can't see that back there. I think you throw a picture like this up, and I think probably everybody in this room and most everybody in our country would immediately recognize that this is a depiction of what? Right? You know, I thought Tim did a really great job last week kind of describing the birth of Jesus and it's kind of its the ordinariness and yet it's, its impact on the world. And I want you to take just, just a minute to just stop and think about an ordinary child born in the backwater Bethlehem of Judea 2,000 years ago laid in a, in a feeding trough, and in his entire life probably never traveled, other, other than when he was a baby and went to Egypt, but when he was an adult, he probably never traveled more than maybe 50, 60, 70 miles away from his hometown. And think of the impact he had on the world. Man, in my mind, there's nothing that speaks more of the power of God than just thinking about that. Who else could accomplish that? You know, and as this is the person that we as Christians have dedicated ourselves to wanting to become more like. And as we're beginning to wind down 2022 and looking forward to 2023, I think we're all starting to think about how can I really become more like Jesus in the coming year? And I want us to think about that for just a second. What does that really mean to become more like Jesus? And I, as I was thinking about what I wanted to share this morning, I was, and I was thinking through the, 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 the Jesus story that we just heard read, I had a the question that popped in my mind. I'd never thought about this before. In this moment right here, 
When the infant baby Jesus laying in the feeding trough, was he less God at this moment than he was standing in front of the tomb raising Lazarus from the dead? Was he less God in this moment than he was on the hillside when he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes? Was he less God in this moment than when he healed the lepers? Think about that for a second. You know, I'm not sure that this is generally the picture that we think about. When we think about God, when somebody says, think about Jesus, is this the picture that we think about? Probably not. I don't, that's not what I generally think about. And if you've heard me speak before, you've probably, I've said this many times, most everything I talk about finds its root somewhere in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> and so we're going to hit all three of them today. So in Genesis 1, in verse 26, we're told that, you know, mankind, man was made in the image of God. Right? We all know that. And we hear, that, we hear that preached and we hear that talked about a lot of times. But I don't know that I hear many people talk about Genesis chapter 2 in this verse. Is that going to come up? Is that back there? <laughs> I'm going to have to read it. Hit it again? Oh, you can't see the picture, but there's a verse. No, that's, that's the next verse. That's, I'm going to have to read this, and that's the next verse. This is Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Think about that for a minute. God breathed into their nostrils, and they became a living being. You know, I think all the time about being born or being made in the image of God, but I don't always think very often about what animates me as a person is the very breath and the very spirit of God. Now, you know, we do think about uh, our you know, souls. As Christians, we think about our souls, but I don't know we necessarily think in terms of what that actually means. You know, there's a, great, uh, there's a great debate. I don't know if it's a debate. There's a lot of scientific research in neuroscience these days trying to, talk of, trying to think about the difference between the, our, the organ brain that's in our skull and our mind, our consciousness. It, what's the, what is the difference? Now, we don't, I don't think we have much of a problem thinking about that because we think about our souls and think about God all the time but in science they have a hard they have a hard time a hard time with that you know but but Paul said in, in Acts chapter 17 he describes God as the one in whom we live and move and have our very being 
So this is, this is who we are. We are made to be like God. Okay? And I was, as I was thinking about that, thinking and reading through Genesis chapter 2, was, has there ever been two adult human beings that have ever been more like God than Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in, in Genesis chapter 2? Before they sinned. Made in the image of God, animated by the very breath of God, how could they become any more like God than what God actually created them to be? Now here's the ironic part. Here's where we go to Genesis chapter 3. What did, what did the serpent tempt them with? For God knows that when you eat from, from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. They were already like God, as much as he wanted them to be. As much as they were, as much as they were created to be, they were already like God. And yet that's what they were tempted with. You know, it was just uh, Friday night. I was listening to, I, I don't know what they call these things. Is, is, it, a, is it a blog or is it a... Some kind of, I don't know, whatever they call it, one of our brothers, Kyle Spears, his brother up in Omaha, does, does a bunch of interviews with people, all kinds of people. And he was doing a, an interview with Ed and Debbie Anton. I think you guys there in Virginia, I think Mark and Beth know them. And I don't remember what the context of the discussion was, but Kyle happened to mention that he is in the process of co-authoring a book with Michael Burns called The Big Lie. And he said, the big lie is that Satan wants us to try to be more than we really are. And I heard that, and I thought, that's what I'm trying to say on Sunday morning. That's what, sa that's what the serpent is doing here trying to make us try to be more than what we were designed to be. And ever since Genesis chapter 3, I think the serpent and Satan have been pretty successful, don't you think? In getting us to try to be more than what we have been designed to be. You know, I think uh, Marvel Comics have, and PC too, I don't want to single out Marvel, but they have made billions and billions of dollars playing off of this instinct of ours. They've created all of these beings with all these superpowers, right? All these fantastic things. And when we think about God, do we think more about this, the power? I mean, God is, without a doubt, omnipotent, 
omnipresent, omniscient, all those omni words. <laughs> but is that what God designed us to be? Is that what God desirous to look forward to? And where does that lead us? I was sitting in my office, this was several months ago, the young man, I was sitting there talking with him, I was trying to talk to him about God, and he says, I have kind of this love-hate relationship with God. And then he gets, he gets into this whole thing about uh, all the bad stuff, all the, the mayhem and, and, and the stuff that goes on in the world. And you've probably heard this. People will say, you know, if God's such a loving God, how does he let all this happen? Right? But isn't that exactly, the t if you go to Matthew chapter 2, I think it is, or 4, where Satan takes Jesus out into the desert, or Jesus goes out into the desert and he's tempted by, by Satan, What's the very first temptation? Jesus, you've been fasting for 40 days. You're hungry. If you're really God, you can take these stones, use your power to turn them into bread, and feed yourself. And what did, how did Jesus respond to that? He said, man doesn't live by bread. But I think what he's really saying is, it's not my place. God, God is not a God of power. You know, I thought Gary did a great job a couple weeks ago taking us to, you know, to look at what's, what's the important thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to God. If Adam and Eve had listened to God in the beginning, we wouldn't be in this place, right? Maybe what we should be thinking about and picturing when we're thinking and picturing God is really more this. John tells us, The very essence of God and who he is is not his power. He is powerful. But John doesn't say God is power. God is love. So what are we supposed to do with this with this knowledge. You know, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, his divine power, there's a, you know, Jesus, he does have power. God's power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. We can participate in the divine nature by escaping all the mayhem and stuff that the serpent brought to us in Genesis chapter 3, right? But how do we do that? The way to become more like Jesus is not to gain more power but to somehow 
find a way to reject those corrupting influences of the world around us, right? Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 12, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And Jesus himself said to the Jews who if you hold to my teachings, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, we're in a season of Christmas, and we're thinking about baby Jesus, and we're thinking about the magic of, I mean, one of the things Lana and I like to do, this is probably, I don't know if I should say this or not, it might blow my image, but <laughs> whatever image that is. But we, we spend a lot of time watching Christmas movies. <laughs> We've been watching a ton of Christmas movies. They're all the same, though, right? But well, the thing we like about them, though, is they're, they're, I mean, they're, I mean, they're clean, most of them. You know, there's not a lot of language stuff, and there's, there's good message and everything, and you can just sit there and, and kind of enjoy the movie. But what is that, this whole idea of the magic of Christmas? You hear that a lot, right? The magic of Christmas. And in our cancel culture, when people are trying to take Jesus and God out of everything around us, the, the one thing they can't do is remove the love of God during this time of year. The one time of year from Thanksgiving to Christmas, we're permeated with God's love, even though they won't call it that, we're permeated with God's love all around us. And that, to me, this is, the, this is the best time of year. I love it. But when we think about becoming like Jesus, then we think, what picture comes to our mind? We, to this morning, we have a choice. My pictures aren't... Okay, my pictures just aren't showing up. But what you've got to remember here... Let me hit it again. Nope. Okay, I'll, let's do that. Picture this half screen, okay? And on the left-hand half of the screen, there's a picture of Superman. You get where I'm going with that? We have a choice between picturing God as this all-powerful person that's going to wield his power to change everything, or we can picture God as Jesus in a manger. To you, that that's one of the powers of this time of year. In this day, when we get a chance to, to recognize both this picture and the cross on the same day, you know, as we go and we're getting ready to, to take communion at this time together, I really want us to picture in our minds Jesus. As a baby, Jesus, the loving Savior, and the way to find our way to becoming more like him is to, stood, is to start with the baby in the feeding trough and finding our way to the foot of the cross. Let's pray.
Father, you are an amazing God. It doesn't matter how much we as human beings try to erase you. You're like a bad penny in a way. You just keep coming back. You're always there. Your love abounds in every way. And it's, and it's in this time of year especially, God, that we are able to see people rejoicing in your love even though they refuse to acknowledge it. But you don't seem to care. You're there. You love us. You love us in the midst of our sin. You sent Jesus in the midst of our brokenness. And for Father, for that, we are grateful and it's at this time that we want to take some time to remember both Jesus as a baby and Jesus, our dying Savior. We pray in his name. Amen.